that item. You have your bulletin with you. The verses for this week is uh, 1 John chapter number 4. So write that in your bulletin. It's 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses uh, 2 and 3. And uh, so I encourage you to be a part of our effort to know the scriptures. All right. 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn to the book of Luke. This is actually a message that I had planned for on, uh, on the Resurrection Sunday. Of course, it has uh, worked out. Uh, we had guest speakers. so But I really think it may be even more appropriate even for the first Sunday after Resurrection Sunday. And... Uh, and you know, the idea of, of having a good day, uh, we always wish people to have a good day, you know. And uh, but in the Christian life, I think it's bigger than that. I think that, uh, as the Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. That is a, that's a tremendous uh, thought. I've always, I always endeared to it, that we should rejoice and be glad in it. So think about it, is there isn't any day that we shouldn't rejoice, right? And uh, when we're not rejoicing, I remember um, um, the, actually the fellow that was instrumental in getting me here to Chicago, um, uh, one of the things he always would say, you'd ask him, how are you doing today? He says, I'm rejoicing. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't say, I'm doing good, I'm great. He would say, I'm rejoicing. And... Uh, which is really the uh, kind of a spirit that we all should have, even on the most troubling times, uh, that we should be rejoicing. Uh, I want to take just a moment before we begin. Uh, I got a call this morning uh, from Brother Pastor Fontenot, and he was on his way to the hospital. So um, he had uh, he was having chest pains. He'd had them quite frequently this week, and then it. it uh, it uh, escalated to going up his arm this morning. Uh, so I want to take just a moment, and I told him that we would pray for him uh, in this morning's service. So uh, let's just take a moment. We're going to ask the Lord to intervene in his behalf. Father, <clears throat> we do need you. Uh, we need your help, not only in this service, but, Father, we <clears throat> are here to supplicate on behalf of Pastor Fontenot and his family, his church, but mainly, Lord, that uh, whatever it is that uh, is causing the pain, we always sometimes maybe assume it might be the worst. Uh, Lord, whatever it is, you already know. And, uh, Father, you know his love for you, his love for his church, his family. And, Father, we ask that you'd intervene in his life and help him, strengthen him, uh, Father, and be with the doctors and nurses that uh, are uh, with him uh, to be able to find what the issue is. And then, Father, uh, give him grace and them grace, Father, to help him resolve it and, uh, and go forward. Uh, Lord, please just have mercy as we uh, also carry the same concern, Father, that... Uh, not just uh, for him, but for uh, everyone concerned in, in that area that needs to know you, and they need a pastor, and they need a man of God that cares. So please have mercy on him, Father, as, they, as uh, throughout this day, and uh, Lord, just help us to keep him in prayer uh, throughout uh, this day and, and days following. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you're in Luke chapter number 24... <clears throat> We're looking at this idea of the resurrection in the sense that um, Jesus had rose uh, from the grave. And, uh, and of course, it talks about that throughout the uh, uh, whole chapter there. Uh, the lady's going to the grave. And, and if you'll notice here, <clears throat> he says in verse 7, and we're going to stand as we read God's word together. The Bible says in verse number 7, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day arise again. And the Bible says in verse number 8, And they remembered his words, and they returned from the sepulcher, 
and told all these things unto the eleven and to the rest. And the Mary Magdalene and Johanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women were, were, were with them which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed as them as idle tales and they believed them not. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, you revealed yourself to these women. Lord, you revealed your resurrection. And Father, that uh, Lord, their purpose, their your plan was for them to reveal that to the others. And Lord, that they should believe and, and have hope. And Lord, I pray that uh, we would be a, a, a church that would have the same uh, understanding, Father, that we are to be a people of faith and hope. And Lord, and, uh, Lord that we would produce the kind of uh, witness testimony Lord, that would be believable because we believe it and we hope in it. So I ask, Father, that you'd strengthen uh, our hearts, Father, to recognize how the important this uh, truth is and, Father, how it either looks as it is, as real and powerful, or, Father, it could be anemic and unbelieving. I pray that, Father, it be the former and strengthen us, Father, to hear and to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. And have a seat. <clears throat> it was a great day, and uh, yet all many times we fail to realize that even in our day and age, that every day is, if you're saved, a great day. It's a day of rejoicing. It's a day where we can have the kind of uh, faith and hope of God working in our lives and our our families' lives, and. Uh, and I hope that uh, as we look forward to this new year, I am, I am excited uh, to be able to be so uh, focused on the ministry and on the things of God, on you. Uh, it's been a real pleasure for me to be able to pray, uh, really take time and, and literally pray for everybody in the church, your family, uh, and uh, I take great joy in that. Uh, and it gives me great hope when I do that. I have great hope for you and for uh, what God wants to do in your life. And, um, and that's something that I think God wants each one of us to have. And, uh, and I pray that it, it, because of that, it can and should be in, uh, in the eyes of God a great day. You take your Bibles, and if you can't read it from where you're at, you'll see the book of Psalms. is. I, I only picked out just a few, and they were all in Psalm 119. And it talks about hope. And you think about the, the, the resurrection was that they all knew what Jesus, it wasn't like it was hid about his resurrection. But when it came down to believing in the, in the resurrection, it's not that they didn't have the faith. They said, well, yeah, he's the son of God. And he, and he came and he revealed himself. God manifest in the flesh, the Messiah, the promised one. Yet when it came down to the, the bare facts of them really having and operating on that faith, it was they were struggling. Psalm 119, verse 49, the Bible says, Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to what? Hope. The very idea that he has this faith is, a, is very fundamental to a, a proper hope. And we'll go back and we'll catch it out of 1 Corinthians, but because the Bible talks about it and in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that is, there is three things. There's, there's uh, uh, faith, let me get this way, hope, and charity. These three are three very big things. Of course, it mentions charity as being number one, but hope is right there with faith and charity. So you think about it in, in Psalm 119, 81, he says, My soul fainteth. That idea of fainting is giving up, all right, giving in, giving over for thy, for thy salvation. So it's kind of, well, just like it was there for the disciples. They, they fainted. They kind of lost hope. They, uh, uh, they uh, didn't really, uh, yeah, I know he said he was going to, but really, resurrection from the dead? And he says, but, he says, I hope what? In thy word. Now, we're going to revisit these after we get toward the end of our the message today, so I want you to think about these. Psalm 119, 114, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. 
I hope in thy word. You think about the hiding, hiding place. That means that there's nothing that can affect you or harm you or disturb you in your spirit or in your heart. Psalm 119, 116, Uphold me according to thy word, that I may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope. That idea of being ashamed is disappointed. You know, when you're just disappointed, there's not a rejoicing, there's not an excitement, that somehow that God has let you down, or you've, uh, you know, you think about it, well, we're not to be ever a time that sometimes, yeah, we can get tainted by the, the events that happen to us in this world, but it's not to take us away from that kind of faith that Jesus expected his disciples to have at his own. So we're going to look at the idea of the definition of hope. When hope defined is a confidence in the future events, the highest degree of well-founded expectation of good, as a hope founded upon God's gracious promises, a scriptural sense. So the idea there, he says that it's the highest degree. There's, I mean, there's a, 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 you think, well, faith is the same thing. Well, it's not. You think about it, we talk about, Faith, hope, and charity, they're three distinguishing things so that there's a, a confidence. that the idea that, yeah, they had faith. They believed that Jesus was the Son of God. They believed that, yes, he said he was going to raise from the dead and that uh, <clears throat> after three days. But somehow there was something missing. A very important fact. You think about us as a church and you as an individual and you with your family is that you say, I, I want God to work in my home. I want God to work in my marriage. I want God to work and use me. All right. That his will might be done here on earth that it is in heaven. That's my, that's my desire. That's my faith. But the idea that faith and hope have to work together in order for that to be accomplished <clears throat> because it's founded on God's gracious what? Promises. That's where it's founded. So you look at back at the, the, the previous Psalm 119, you notice that the psalmist understood that. that and that's why we continue to give you efforts to memorize Scripture. We keep saying, yes, this is the will of God. Yes, it's on Wednesday night. And a lot of times we, 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 we kind of poo-poo that. We kind of look at that and say, well, you know, I've got a lot of things that are more important. Let me tell you something. There's nothing more discouraging than when you lose your hope in what God wants you to accomplish in your life. And there's nothing more exciting <laughs> Just the opposite, and when you have a hope that says, wow, uh, uh, that God has given you something uh, supernatural that dwells within you that, 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 that cannot be affected by things that go on in your life. There can't not be rejoicing in a daily fashion about the will of God in your life if there's no hope. You can believe something. The disciples believe what Jesus said. But what were they lacking? They were lacking that necessary hope. So you look at the same thing. This is a lot, this next slide, if you look at it, it's faith is defined as history. Now there is a part of this that faith is, and this is not what our faith should be. All right? In the in theology, the ascent of the mind or the understanding to the truth of what God has revealed. I, you, basically, you're saying you're reading the Bible and you say, yeah, I agree with it. You read what God says uh, uh, about himself, about his uh, plans, the simple belief in the scriptures of being a perfections of God and the existence of his character and doctrine of Christ founded upon the testimony of the sacred writers is called a historical or speculative faith. Again, this is not what you should have. It's, a, it's, it's speculative. A faith little distinguished from the belief in the existence and achievements of Alexander or Caesar. So it's just a, basically you say, well, I, you can say, well, I believe Caesar existed. Right? I believe Alexander the Great existed. But does that affect your life? 
Does that change anything in your life? That's not the kind of faith that God wants us to have. And this kind of faith that God wants us to have is defined as saving faith. Saving faith is, is, is interwoven in hope. Saving, if you didn't have a hope that what God said, you'd never get saved. Or, or the idea that says evangelical, justifying, or saving faith. And you look down toward the bottom there, it summarizes, in other words, that firm belief of God's testimony and of the truth of the gospel, which influences, listen to this, which influences the will and leads to an entire reliance upon Christ for salvation. An entire reliance upon Christ. Again, we go back. Where do you get this? I mean, how do you get this? If this is the, the motivation that God wants you to have in your life, you say, well, pastor, that's what I want. I don't want that, that, that theological faith that just uh, like the existence that, yeah, it happened. Yeah, this happened to uh, these ladies. And you listen, you think about when they went back and told these, the disciples, hey, we've seen him. He's risen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. Was that saving faith? No. Well, you say, well, weren't they saved, Pastor? I mean, I mean, they were born again. Were they children of God? Yes, they were. Every one of them knew Christ. Every one of them was saved. Every one of them was forgiving. But listen, something happened. Something was missing in between the time that Jesus went and died on the cross went to the tomb and the time that they that 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 gap in there you say what happened well let's look at the comparison between the two let's look at the comparison what is the real difference faith is i just gave it to you is the firm belief in god's testimony notice i i, I highlighted and underlined this because it's a firm belief I firmly believe I am to be the pastor of this church. I firmly believe that. No matter what happens, no matter how uh, things go south, you literally would have to tar and feather me to get me out of this church. Because I firmly believe this is where God wants me to believe, be. It ought to be that that's the way you are. You ought to have the kind of faith that, that says, man, God has planted me in this church and in this ministry. It ought to be that way with your, with your marriage. You know, well, things aren't going so good. <laughs> Ever have days like that, husbands? Huh? Things aren't going so good. Shut up. That ain't nice. Wives, you ever have days like that? Woo! You better have a firm belief that God has put you two together. Might be with your children. Right, Cassie? You had one of them weeks this week, right? Huh? Well, you got to have a firm belief. God put this child in my life. <laughs> and I'm going to be their mother whether, that, whether, that, whether I want to be this at this moment or not. How many gone through that, moms? Right? Woo! You better have a firm belief because it influences the will. See, this idea that we're going to go back and look at hope, confidence in the future events, the highest degree of well-founded expectation of good. That means that this faith and hope must work together. They, there's no way they can be separated. If you separate them, then you're going to have the effect that it had upon these disciples the bible says uh, uh let's see if i can be i'm trying to find the place where they actually had their response to the verse number 11 if you're in your bible verse number 11 the bible says in verse 11 and their words seemed to them as what this i mean luke 24 verse 11 their words seemed to them as what? Idle tales. Yet Jesus had already told them that he was going to do this. Now this is, 
You say, this is important. This is a part of what, what, what the resurrection was all about. Could he not have revealed himself the same way he did to all the disciples? Listen, this is a historic opportunity God was given. Hey, listen, disciples. This is how your life is going to be from now on. You're not going to just base... They were basing their faith upon what they saw. They were basing their faith upon their feelings and emotions. Hey, I seen him suffer. I seen him be crucified. I seen him die. I seen him taken down. I seen him put him in the tomb. He's dead. But what did he say? In three days I'm going to do what? I'm going to rise again. Listen. The resurrection is the centerpiece of all that we do. When, he, when, when, when Mary came to him, I think it was Mary, and said, you know, I, I believe he'll rise again in the last day. And what did Jesus say? I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth, listen, in me, though he were dead, yet shall what? He live. That's the kind of faith that we got to have. Not a speculative faith, but a believing faith, a hopeful faith. One that keeps joy and rejoicing, right Cassie, at all times. Somehow God intervenes at those times that you think, wow, this is the... And he said, no, I'm rejoicing. <laughs> I'm not giving in, I'm not giving over, I'm not giving up. Expectation of good as a hope founded upon God's gracious promises in the scriptural sense. So we're going to look at this together. Making the great day begins with Luke chapter 24, verse 13 and verse 15. Verse, starting verse 13, the Bible says, And behold, two of them that went the same day to the village of Maus, which was from a Jerusalem about threescore furlongs, and they talked together of all these things that had happened, and it came to pass while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Verse. <clears throat> so you see here that they have what? The Lord intervenes when? Were they going in the right direction? Were they? Where were they going? They should have stayed right there at Jerusalem, right? They should have stayed right where they are, but they were heading away in the wrong direction. And so whenever you go the wrong direction, I promise you, as a child of faith, and your Heavenly Father loves you, and knows just like your children, they start doing something, saying something, behaving in a way that's not right, what do you do? Oh, just go ahead. Right? Is that what you say? Oh, well, you know, you got your own mind. I guess you're going to do what you want, right? Or do you intervene? You intervene. You say, no. No. Us Sadarskis don't do that. That's not the way we behave, right? Right? That's, uh, us Monterosos, that's not, that's not the way we behave. That's not the will of God. That's not what we're going to do. Same thing is true here. God intervenes when there's a need for direction. And you can see that he intervenes. Look down in verse number, if we start in verse number 16, the Lord not only intervenes, he intervenes when feelings and emotions, listen to this, override what? Come on, tell me, how many Christians out there today would say, there's times my feelings and emotions override my faith? Right? Come on. Something happens. How many happened? Something happened this week to you? And boy, it settled down on your heart and your spirit in such a fashion, it overwhelmed you. It took control. Listen, they had them been through this. Six, I, 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 I can identify with that. Here they watched their Lord and Savior. They seen the guy that when, uh, when uh, Judas came to uh, uh, take him, that he... He, he spoke and they all fell backwards. He was one that was on the boat and the storm was getting ready to flip the whole and capsize the whole mess. And he says what? 
peace be still. And now they've seen their Savior, the one that had done all this, resurrected Lazarus from the grave, and all of a sudden they, they look at that, and the last image in their mind and in their heart wasn't all the things that Jesus had done, but what the last thing they saw. Now listen to me. I know you because I know myself. I see the present things that I'm going through, and, and if I'm not careful... My feelings and my emotions take the best of me and try to overwhelm me. Verse 16, the Bible says, But their eyes came and joined them, and their eyes were were holding that they should not know him. And verse 17, he says what? He says, he said unto them, What manner of communion and medication are these that you have? He said unto them, What manner of communication are these that you have one with another as you walk and are what? Sad. What are they running on? Are they running on faith and hope? Or are they running on their what? Their emotions and their feelings. Please. the, The most stoic person here, don't tell me you don't run on your feelings and emotions. There are people here that are running on their feelings and emotions. Something that happened to them... Listen, not a week ago, not a month ago, but a year ago. Maybe two years, maybe five years. That's wrong. Listen, he is the resurrected. Resurrection. There's no reason to run on that. There's no reason that we should be overwhelmed with that. In verse number 17, or 18... And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said to him, Art thou not a stranger in Jerusalem? Basically, aren't you affected by what's gone on in Jerusalem? Are you, are, you, are you so callous to that? Art thou a stranger in Jerusalem, and know not the things which are come to pass in these days? And he said, What things? <laughs> what things? You know, I think Jesus was digging deep. Now, I want to get down to where you're really at. I want to know what's really driving you. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it faith and hope or is it your feelings and emotions? And he said, uh, and they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and, and the word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. I put in brackets the next three words. In my Bible. Because I don't want to forget this. He says, but what? But we trusted. What's another word for trusted? Faith. Right? Now, you go back to what we've already looked at on the PowerPoint. You go back to when it talked about faith. Which faith was it? Saving faith or theological faith? Was it a faith that was motivating and moving them in the right direction? Was it a faith that was uh, overcoming their emotions and feelings? Or was it just a historical fact that Jesus came and said who he is? We believe that. But it's not affecting the way we live. Let me say that again. Oh yeah, we believe. But it's not affecting the way you live. That's a problem. It's not going to be a great day. There's not going to be any great days in your life. It's only going to be when you recognize the opportunity for a great day is allowing the Lord to intervene over those feelings, over those emotions. But we trusted that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. Beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Did they know what he said? Yes, they did. Were they 
responding correctly to what he said. No. Listen, it's a great day when the Lord starts intervening in your life. Somehow people divorce their Christian life from reality. Somehow they think that, that, that I, 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 Christian life is for church and I've got to put on airs for my brothers and sisters in the Lord and kind of put on airs for my kids. Listen, Christian life is Christ living through you. It's not something you put on. It's who you are. And he said, where do you get that? And verse number... <clears throat> Verse number 19, when he said, what things? And he goes on then, but we trusted. Verse 22, yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying, they also seen a vision of angels, which said he was alive. Verse 24, And certain of them which were with us in the sepulcher found as even as the women had said, but him they saw not. Again, it's telling on them, isn't it? We got to have the visual. We are not running by faith and hope. We're running on feelings and emotions. Not on what God said he would do. But what we see happening. Where do we go from here? So he intervenes when they were on the wrong road. The road to Emmaus. He intervenes when their feelings and emotions had overrided saving faith. And they were what? Sad. The Lord intervenes and shows us. What you're missing. What were they missing? Verse 25, very strong language by our Lord. Then he said unto them what? O fools. That's strong. You don't call somebody a fool unless you're a fool. You know, a, a simple person doesn't know the difference. A fool knows what is right and still does what is wrong. Did I say that again? A fool knows what is right and still does what? What is wrong. You know you shouldn't be living on your feelings and emotions. You know you should be staying on the right direction. You know that there's no reason, no excuse for your, uh, 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 to feel sad and overwhelmed. And yet you're allowing that to happen. Listen, God is saying to you, oh what? What is he calling you? You're a fool. (laughs) And he says, why are you a fool? Oh fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? So you know what we're getting now? We're getting a review. So God says, listen, I've already taught you all this. The Lord says, I spent three years teaching you about my coming and all that the scriptures had to say. But we're going to have a little review this morning. See, you want a great day. How many say, Pastor, I'd like for there to be a great day. And I'd like for there to be a great day. I, listen, buddy, I can't have great days because I have kids. Really? Is that what the Bible says? You can't have... Well, I can have a great day, but you don't know this spouse got I mean, really. She or he, I mean, really, they're kind of really over the top. I mean, they just don't... They, they, they're just... Well, they're just hard to live with. <laughs> I'll tell that thing. He mean God. They're just hard to live with. <laughs> right, honey? 
You know, God says every day should be a great day. Isn't that what? This is a day. Come on, say it with me. This is a day the Lord hath made. and We should rejoice and be glad in it. Some of you didn't say it because you don't believe it. Listen. Was this to be a great day for his disciples? Yes or no? Woo. Yeah, I know they said he's dead, and I know they put him in a tomb, but I don't I know what he said. I know that he's going to be the resurrection of life. I seen what he did for Lazarus. He says, I'm the resurrection. If he's the resurrection and he railroads Lazarus from the grave, there's nothing going to keep him in the grave. And so you have a little issue in your life, a little problem in your life. I, don't, I can't define it for you. Maybe work, maybe in your home, maybe it's your health. I don't know what it is, but I know God does. So you look in verse number 25. He says, you're slow of heart to believe all the scripture says. And he goes into the ought not. He says, shouldn't you, shouldn't, isn't this what you learned? Isn't this what they knew? And so he takes them a little step farther. In verse number, the point number four, the Lord intervenes and supplies what? Hope. Where did he get that hope? Come on. Read your Bible. Where did he get that hope? He took them back through what he just taught them, right? He took them right back through all the things that they'd learned. And they said, well, I, had, I have saving faith. Or I saw I say I have saving faith. But saving faith without hope is not what? Saving faith. You cannot put... God's kind of faith and not have hope together, it's not, it's not going to be saving faith. Notice what it says in verse number 28. Verse 28 in your Bibles. They drew near the village whether they, would have, whether they went, and he made as though he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. And the day is far spent. And he went to tarry with them. In verse number 30. And it came to pass. He sat at meat with them. He took bread and he blessed it. And he broke it. And he gave it to them. That's what you're getting this morning. We're breaking bread. This morning. That's what God, God says. Listen. The Garfield Ridge Baptist Church, uh, I know what the world's all about, and I know what the difficulties you're facing in your family. I know the difficulties you're facing in your finances. I know all that. The Bible says in verse 31, and their eyes were what? Open. And they knew him. Now listen, he was already with them for quite a while, right? But when did he open their eyes? When he broke the bread. And all of a sudden, wow, the Lord has met with us. So you that are struggling with this faith that you have, Struggling in some area of your life, whether it's with your family or work or finances or health or whatever it is. And you're letting, instead of gladness, sadness be a part of your life. Instead of rejoicing, you're bemoaning. It shows on your face. You realize that? I'm the worst one. If I'm not having a good day, my wife will tell me, what's wrong? (laughs) She already knows most of the time anyway. What's wrong? And most of the time, it's not her. 99.9% of the time, it's not my wife. It's me. It's me. 
I'm not looking to Jesus. I'm not looking to His Word. I'm not got a faith and hope that's in Him. The Bible says, And their eyes were open." in verse 32, and he, they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us? While He talked with us by the way, and while He opened to us the Scriptures. That's why it's so important when we are going to do our dead level best, and when we get new converts in the church, we're going to work very, very hard to see them get discipled. They need to have the ability to say, listen, if I'm going to have a walk with God, if the Lord Jesus is going to work in my life, I've got to have time in His Word. I've got to have time not only in His Word, but I've got to memorize His Word. I can, I can tell you for a fact, I didn't have anybody to disciple me. I had one guy at work, where I worked, and most of the discipling I had was on my own. I finally ended up getting, and this is the grace of God. <clears throat> I went to a very lukewarm church when I first got saved, but God raised up one individual during that early time in my Christian life and he asked the pastor there, he said, he looked and found this thing called Master Life. And it was a discipling tool. That's all it was. And we met once a week, and we sat down, and we read all the Bible. Not only did we read and study it, we memorized it. We had certain verses we had to have memorized every week. And then toward the end, we had a challenge. We said, well, now, if you... Took you through this discipleship course. There was witnessing. There was uh, a time where we had to spend, I think it was two and a half hours in prayer. Oh, wow. Two and a half hours. What am I going to do with two and a half hours of prayer? But I tell you what, that was probably one of the most primary times I had in my life to bump me up where God wanted me to be. Listen, God wants to do that for you. He doesn't want you to be like the disciples uh, 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 walking around and sad. He wants you to be rejoicing in a hope that only God can give. He supplies the hope for saving faith. I'm going to give you, I think I have one more here. We go back to this slide. In order for there to be saving faith, there has to be what? What does there have to be? There has to be hope. In, there, in order for there to be hope, where do we find it? Where did Jesus take his disciples? Took them right back to the Bible that, they, that they, they already knew. So you say, well, I've read that. I've read that. I've, I've read that. Keep reading it. And what happened when they read it again? Their hearts burned within You've got to look at that scriptures with a, with a degree of hope that only God gives you. So let's look at this. So what makes a great day? When God intervenes and makes sad Christians what? Glad Christians. So he's going to take you today. Listen to me. If you're serious. If you're not, you're just going to blow this off as another message that I got on Sunday morning. But if you're somehow, you're overwhelmed... With something going on in your life. And I guarantee you there's always something going on. God is going to take you from this point. You go to 1 Corinthians with me just for a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. I'll finish the rest of it up tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. We're going to look at this idea that he gives us. Of hope at work. Look at verse number 11 with me. This is maturity by the way. Verse number 11. When I was what? A child. What do you do as children? I spake like a child. I understood as what? A child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away what? Boy, you ought to take that and 
you ought to hammer this home in your head. If you are walking around with a sad countenance for some circumstances that's happened in your life, how, what's your thinking like as a man? Spiritual maturity? Or are you thinking as a what? A child. I spake as a child. That means I, I, I'm, I'm acting on and speaking with my emotions and feelings. I understood as a child. That means I'm overwhelmed with thought. I thought as a child. But you know, it's the time that we do what? What should we do? Put it away. That means if you're getting down in that, in that uh, like the disciples were on the road to Emmaus, and you're walking and sad, and you're, you're going over your circumstances, not finding results, then you need to do what? You need to put that kind of thinking away. Look at verse number 12. It says, For now we see through a glass darkly. Now I want to take this phrase, but then. I don't think that but then is talking about somewhere in the future, like in, in eternity. I think it's when you decide to live by faith. It's signed a saving faith that God wants us to live by. And when you are thinking as a, a mature Christian in the faith, but then what? We shall know him. We shall, we, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even all, as also I am known. This is information for today, not something for the future. This is something that God intended for the, his disciples to have to now. He says in verse 13, and now abideth what? Faith, hope, and charity. Sad Christians. Let's go over this just for a minute. Sad Christians with a selfish what? Hope. Look back in, in, in the first part of first, first Corinthians chapter 13. Why do you say it's selfish? It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not what? Charity. I become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Though I speak. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith. So as I could remove mountains that have not charity. I'm what? What do you see in the middle of all those things? The eye. What, what, when we think about eye. What, what verse do you think of? Where in the scriptures Brings back to mind. Who had was all full of himself? The devil was. When I'm a child, I think like a child. But when I'm a man, I do what? I put it away. It's not about you. So when faith and hope come together, who's it about? It's all about Jesus for others, isn't it? When you think about, well, we're going to go forward as a church, right? Come on, Christian, we're going to go forward. We're going to go soul winning, right? I, I mean, we're going to win soul. We're going to have Bible clubs. We're going to have the VBS. We're going to do some door-to-door. We're going to have nursing home. God willing, maybe we'll even have a bus ministry. It's when faith and hope come together, then we have what? See, the disciples were all bemoaning about themselves. They were all introverted about themselves. Why, Jesus just went off and left us. The problem was is that they, they were thinking as a child. In verse number three, though I give my body to be burned... And have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Take that last phrase. When you have an interest 
a God-born faith and hope, who profits ultimately? Who profits? You do. Yeah, everybody else is going to profit by it, but who really profits from it? You do. When, when Jesus opened up the scriptures and their hearts burned within him, who profited? They did. But it's when they got their mind and heart satisfied through the word of God. And they were saved from themselves. I've got to close because we're out of time. But I want you to understand <clears throat> there's, you know, sometimes, I'll be honest with you, there's times as, as your pastor, I'm praying and I'm putting messages together and week by week and God, you know, after a while, God just continues to unfold understanding in my heart as your pastor. You say, what do I need as your pastor? I need the things that's going to help you. And the things that are going to help you are going to help me. So I'm, I'm looking and say, well, God, you know, I, I can look at introvertedly at myself and say, God, you know, uh, you put me in this place and uh, where are you? Or I can say, God, what can I do to help them? And when I focus on you, who really gets the blessing? I do. And so when you get out of your little childish thinking, and I'm, I, I know you're going to be offended because I'm saying childish, but that's what the Bible says. I, when you're thinking like a child, who gets hurt? Come on. Who gets hurt? You do. But when you put it away, and you say, no, my life is not about me. My life is for others. And if I spend the time in God's word and prayer like I'm supposed to, allow the Holy Spirit of God to burn within me, and my mind gets off of me, <laughs> and on to the people that God has put in my life, who benefits? You do. That's a kind of a weird way to think of it, isn't it? You get focused on others and you benefit. That's an oxymoron, isn't it? I get focused on the people around me and all of a sudden I'm happier. I get focused on my children the way I need, my husband, my wife, the way I need to be, my co-workers, the way God wants me to be. And I'm happier? But you know what? We got this childlike faith or childlike manner. And we want something for ourselves. And as long as you want something for yourself, I promise you, you'll never, ever get it. The only thing you'll get for yourself is what? I don't know about you. When, I, when God showed me this this morning, I thought, wow. Why would I want to spend any more time bemoaning my life when all I have to do is go to God and God said just make me others let's stand as we close <clears throat> let's pray Father we thank you Lord, you said in your word that you're the resurrection and you're the life. It certainly wasn't that you were thinking about yourself when you went to the cross. 